you know, there's a lot of um, humor in the churches. I'm a storyteller, and so this is just a short one. But I, in Winona, in the Methodist Church, we had services every first and third Sunday. And Catacona across the street, we had the Baptist Church every second and fourth Sunday. And of course, everybody had their own Sunday school and youth groups and that kind of thing. But we had four Sundays out of the month in church where we had to go as kids. And each church had personalities. So I started looking around up here today to see if I could find some personalities. And there were two outstanding personalities that I tease uh, Cynthia about all the time. One was Professor Knox, and the other was Brother Porter. They were the same height, little small guys, probably weighed about 135 pounds, but small guys. Professor Knox was the principal, and his counterpart worked as a painter, house painter. And each attended church every Sunday, regardless of which church it was. And Professor, no, Mr. Porter would sit right there. And Professor Knox would sit right there. And while everything else was going on, they were alive and they were with it. They were with the choir and everything. But as soon as the preacher got up, and took his text, they got set. And by the time the preacher did his introduction, they already were gone. And when the preacher got into his sermon, they were gone. <laughs> and they didn't wake up unless the preacher told a joke or until the choir started singing. Then they'd wake up. And if somebody told a joke so that they wouldn't know they were asleep, they would just wake up and start elbowing whoever's next to them, you know, laughing, you know, that kind of thing. So as I start preaching, I'm going to be watching your head. <laughs> See if we have those um, uh, witnesses who were there all the time in my youth watching and hearing the preacher preach, regardless of what church. This passage is my text today. That it's a unique process of human beings. The Zacchaeus story. We are always in need of something. And sometimes it's a want. Yet at other times it's a perceived need. And it's true that we do have critical needs sometimes. But I may want a banana pudding. 
Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> but I really need vegetables. I may want to win the lottery. Check with me if you did last night or whenever it was. But I need to put food on the table and a decent place to live for my family. I have seen people pay a fourth of their weekly checks, payroll checks, on the lottery and nobody in Georgia won, somebody all the way up in New York or New Jersey. But it looked like every Friday, since this particular place cashed payrolls checks, they'd be in there and I'd, I'd listen to them and say, what, how, how many you want? Say, well, give me, give me I'm going to get about a third of them. I'm going to get about a fourth of them hoping that they would win the lottery, and I doubt they ever did. I may want to be whatever achievements you have in your mind, but when, as a youngster, I needed to master whatever disciplines it took to get me or to, for you to get you where you are today. I can want everything, but my needs are what I need to be doing today in order that I might get there tomorrow. And so I have a feeling that Paul had heard about Zacchaeus who had mastered practically all of his needs to achieve his wealthy and political status in life, he met the right folks, he made the right contributions, he laughed when every inch of his soul wanted to curse and fight, but he laughed. You've been there, haven't you? Laughing when he wanted to cry. I'm talking about what I know about people. There are many books on finding yourself in the Bible. And every time I pick up the Bible and start looking for myself, I find myself in the first chapter. And then if I went over to Revelations, I find myself in Revelations with the choral group of saints saying to God, how long? How long, Lord, will you let evil brutalize your church? We're trying to be faithful down here, and Nero is trying to wipe your church off the map. How long? Then Paul, like us, struggling earlier, saying, when I would do good. Evil is always present. The good I want to do, I just don't do. 
and the evil I don't want to do, I find myself going, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And of course, you know who he came up with. He says, Jesus. When I, when I make my children go to church, when I make my children go to school and college and make my children stay off drugs and make my children respect all people to make America strong and beautiful, it seems like all hell always breaks loose trying to wipe out all of our progress. How long, Lord? You know what I'm talking about? And you worked hard for your family, and then, for no reason at all, they got shot down in the streets. How long, Lord? Zacchaeus had wanted many things, and after his victories, he needed something else that money couldn't buy. He had not found it in the temple. The temple followed all the sacrificial Rituals, they needed this choir. When he reported his tax collections to the treasurer, they hardly said thank you. But if he was late, my God, he was lucky to escape with his skin. He needed something else to, to feed his soul that nobody, seem to recognize but Jesus. So let me pull uh, from this soul of Zacchaeus takeaways for us this week. Excuse me. First of all, our nation as a whole uses all its resources to get what it wants rather than what it needs. Dr. King is quoted to say, there's no such thing as a good or bad politician. They're just politicians. <laughs> I say it again. That's Dr. King. You remember him saying that? There's no such thing as a good or bad politician. They're just politicians. They want to get in, and then after they get in, they do what they want to do. Dr. Hiram B. Moore became a primary hometown physician in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. And during my seminary years as his pastor, he was my lay leader, my physician, my mentor, and my friend. A town clock is erected in his honor in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. He said to me that his wife, Mrs. Stella Moore, always and constantly pleaded with him to buy another suit, dress suit, to represent his prominence as the town physician and his, a man of his status. And he said, Reverend, 
If I had a hundred suits, I can only wear one suit at a time. So I just still have one suit. As a little boy, I had only two pairs of jeans, and they were filled with patches that my mother sewed on. Many of my friends called me patches. When I almost died from a busted appendix, I told God, if he saved me, I'd become a doctor, and that's all I want to be. If I have to work 24 hours a day to provide a need, that's all I want to do is doctor, just be a doctor, what God called me to do. And when I became the pastor, I went down to the bank for the first time. And the president of the bank came to me and he said, Reverend, let me tell you something about Dr. Moore. He says, Dr. Moore is the only person in town that can drive all over these mountains with hillbillies and everybody else, night, day, rain, shine, black or white, Dr. Moore can drive anytime, anywhere over these mountains of Tennessee, and nobody is going to bother Dr. Moore. You see, the problem with our nation today is that too many of us want other citizens or guests to work hard and sacrifice while we live the life of Riley. Uh, who was Riley? I don't know. My mother taught us that. <laughs> Whoever that is, if we, but if we balance our wants and our needs we stop talking about civil war and nuclear weapons and start praising God for wanting to perfect a more perfect union. Is that an amen? amen. You hear them like I do talk about we're just short of having a civil war. I say, that's stupid. Somebody ought to do something to everybody that projects that we are about to have a civil war. They just suggesting something we ought to have. They think we ought to have. Whoever it is that wants to put wants ahead of needs, wants ahead of needs, is a dangerous person and they need to, like Zacchaeus, find Jesus. The second was when I was a, a chaplain at Fort Hood. Is this getting anywhere? Am I making my points? All right, I quit and go around, and I can turn around and just start humming. <laughs> when in Fort Hood, Texas, I started a new worship service, and hired my 14-year-old neighbor, Glenda, to be my organist and pianist. And she also played by ear or sheet music. 
In her senior year, I invited Russ College to for a con do a concert for us at Fort Hood. Chuck Holmes, immediately after auditioning her, invited her to Rust on scholarship, Glenda Dowles. Becoming a member of the women's quintet, she sent me a copy of their recording. And I thought it was excellent except for one song. And being honest, I, I wrote to her and I said that everything was great, but I, I just think that song does not represent the standards of a Natalie Doxa choir. And then one Sunday morning on my meditation run, I used to, if I couldn't get to run on Sunday, I didn't feel good about preaching. I had to get out there, rain, shine, sleet, or snow, to collect my thoughts, or organize my thoughts. And this particular Sunday, I was having a hard time. I, my feet felt heavy. I just didn't feel like going on another step. You ever been there? I was in bad shape. And before I knew it, Paige, I was, Lord, don't you move this mountain, hear me. A little more climb. I said, Lord, don't you take away my stumbling block. Help me to carry this load because Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. So, Lord, don't you move this mountain, Lord. Don't you move this mountain, Lord. Don't you move this mountain. Give me strength to climb. There's a, there's a story of a wise hermit, you may have heard that one, who lived in a cage outside of town. He was known to be a wise hermit because he never told anybody anything that was wrong. And so these three teenagers thought they'd go out and catch him in a trap. And so they decided that they'd catch a bird and one would hold him, the bird in the hand. You probably heard that one, right? And then they would call out the hermit and say to him, oh, wise hermit, you can, say, you can never tell us anything wrong what is this we have in our hand? And if he says it's alive, we'll squeeze it and kill it. And if he says it's dead, we let him fly away. And so they did. They said, oh, wise hermit, what is this we have in our hand? Is it living or dead? And he looked at them and he said, it's up to you. It's up to you. God says, Behold, I set before you life and death, 
but choose ye life. Obstacles give us opportunity to scale the heights so we can see the green lust in the valley ahead. Lifting weights only make us stronger for the next load. As we live in the social uncertainties of the day, we ought to sing that sometimes too when life gets heavy for you. Lord, don't you move this mountain. Just give me the strength to climb. Over my head, I see what? Music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. So what's my sermon today? The brothers are going to start waking up now. <laughs> what is my sermon today? Zacchaeus gives us solutions to get our lives together. And I'm going to just tell this story in honor of my father. The story of the buzzard and the seagull. You ever heard that one? I see he is doing that good, good. <laughs> Dad, we be painting the house, and Dad would say, Sonny, let me tell you the story about a buzzard and a seagull. He said, the buzzard and the seagull were living down south. And they were doing pretty good on food. And the seagull came over to, flew over to the buzz and he said, you know, we're doing all right down here. But man, if we go up north, there's something dying every day. He said, let's go north. He said, oh, that sounds good. So as soon as they got across the Mason-Dixie line, round, bam! Train hit a cow. He say, see that? There's your food right there. He say, you see that lake over there? I'm going to go over there and get me some fish. You stay here, and I'll catch you in a couple of days. And so the buzzer say, yeah, you go on. I'm going to just stay here and circle around until it gets good and done. <laughs> and to his horror, he heard a truck. And folks came and picked up the cow and threw it on the truck. She didn't have any food. Well, Seagull came back after a day or so. Said, man, I'm filled to the brim. How are you doing? He said, man, I ain't had nothing. I, I. He said, that's all right. Come on, man. You're going to find something. There's something dying every day. I told you that. And sure enough, bam! A car hit a big dog. And he said, see that? That's yours. There's a river over here, and I'm going over there. And da-da-da-da-da-da. He said, okay, I'll just stir around here again until he gets good and done. And, and this kept repeating the same incidents until the seagull came back one day in the Buzzard was playing a guitar on his ribs. <laughs> the seagull, the seagull was so full that he couldn't hardly fly. He said, how you doing, brother Buzzard? He said, well, I got something to tell you, brother seagull. I, I still believe you're a good friend. 
And you know something that's true, something is dying every day. But I'm going to go back where the living doesn't bury the dead. <laughs> See, what's good for the other person or group may be detrimental to you. You are not them and they are not you. You, you want, your wants may be similar, but needs are different. Blind Bartimaeus knew his needs and refused to let the crowd keep him from Jesus. Zacchaeus have never, never, never been blessed by anybody but Jesus. What he found out was that Jesus had already seen his efforts and stopped by his tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. That's what Jesus would do for you this morning. How do I know? Because he stopped by my tree one day. And every, every sense he told me to come down. I, I was reluctant, but ever since I've come down, I've been blessed beyond any dream I ever had as a youngster. So thank God for Zacchaeus. Thank God. The solution is Jesus. So as we look at what's going on in our political world, Two things to remember. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap it upon the mountain, sow it down in the valley, but you're going to reap what you sow. Jesus is still walking around looking for somebody to come down. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. amen.